morning, even as we study your word, enable us to know your heart, even through the word, O Lord. That we will get to know you, understand you, O Father. For every word of God is preached by the Holy Spirit, your word says, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for, for instruction, righteousness, for correction, for instruction and righteousness, so that a man of God may be thoroughly equipped and ready for every good work. And therefore this morning I pray that you would anoint us to understand your heart, to understand you. And Lord, that you would impart life to us even, we, even as we receive your word by faith. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Alrighty. Let's uh, go to Isaiah chapter 54 and let's read from verses 1 to 3. And uh, we will sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate and the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you expand with the right hand, left hand, and the nations and the desert Well, that's a promise that has been given to us. And God is going to enlarge, rather, um, He is going to increase us you know, in different directions. Um, See, uh, when he's talking about this um, promise, uh, one of the things that we have learned over a period of time is to apply it to our apply it to our own lives spiritually. How is God going to expand us? How is it going to stretch us? Okay, um, it's very important to understand these things. Um, see, um, stretching implies strength, right? Only those things which, it's called tensile strength, tensile tension. Tensile comes from which we get the word, the ability to handle strength, uh, to handle pressure, stress, strain. Um, it's, uh, and of course, it's not easy to, uh, for God to enlarge. I mean, in any area, for example, you get more number of successes in your, any field. The responsibility and expectations even grow higher. Right? Now, um, there was a debate about who was the best batsman in the era of Sachin Tendulkar. Four people were compared. Brian Lara, Sachin Tendulkar, uh, Mark Waugh, and Ricky Ponting, something like that. All of them are great batsmen, but the reason why Sachin stands out is simply because he is the guy who is the only good player in India. And he has got an expectation of one billion people upon him. So when he goes to bat, and when Ponting goes to bat, it's a totally different thing. In Australia, they just, they're not as crazy as we are about cricket, even though they pay, played passionately. But here, the expectations are so high. The pressure, the music, everything. And the more number of, uh, successes you get, the more pressure that you face. Because you have to stay at the top all the time, right? Okay. And that is one of the reasons why when you ask all these athletes, uh, after the interview is over, one, they say, I'm not after world number one. That is not my goal. They say, why? They just want to take that pressure off of them. Because you see, the moment you get more success, the more pressure, the more stress that you are expected to bear. Right? You know, we hear that all the time, no? I think Francis Bacon is the one who said that. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. Okay. Alright. So the more responsibility is given, 
your tension has, I mean, the ability for you to handle tension, tension means stress, okay, should increase. And therefore, uh, when we look at these promises, it's important for us to understand how strong are we. Can God stretch us without breaking us? I mean, meaning breaking our spirit, right? Uh, he can break us, but not our spirit. Can that that we can become strong in Him, and uh, so it's more of it's got uh, one of the things that we look when you look at these promises, Lord, what are what is that you're trying to do in my own life? Is a is a thing that we have to um, look at. So, increase. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going to give you so many things, but will you be able to handle them? You see. Just imagine if you are having, uh, God says, I'm going to give you a huge congregation. Are you able to handle the congregation? Okay. And handling five people in a Bible study, you'll see, you'll see how different it is. Okay. You should do a lot of taitaka only. Eh? It's not easy. No? So, these are, these are, these are important truths. So when we look at all these, uh, promises, we need to understand God is going to do something internal for us, first of all. So that when he indeed blesses us, we are able to handle it. Okay. Uh, God gave a promise to uh, Joseph that he's going to rule, but it took him 13 years for the character of God to be formed in him. So that when he indeed enlarged, it never went into his head. It's so easy for things to go into our head. You know, I think Zach Poonan made this powerful statement. It is very difficult for God to bless a man and keep him humble at the same time. It's uh, it's remarkable. It's something in our fleshly nature. Even Apostle Paul, just imagine the, the stature of Apostle Paul. He says, because of the abundance of revelations that I have received, so that I will not be puffed up beyond measure, a messenger of Satan was there given to me, buffeting me. So this flesh has got this ability to get offended easily, to get discouraged easily, and when success comes, to get puffed up beyond measure. Okay, there's, both these things are equally possible, right? And therefore, uh, and therefore, uh, it's important for us to understand that these are the things that God is doing internally first. We have to internalize it. So when, I, when Ezekiel is given this word, he says, eat what you say. And then he eats it. What does it mean? When he's eating it, he's essentially internalizing whatever has been spoken. Rebuke or correction, whatever it is, whatever it is, you have to internalize it so that it becomes a part of you. We'll come to that in a while. So when he's adding, he's expanding, first he's going to add character to us. Right? Through the promises that God has given us, he's going to add character to us. So this is important for us to understand. So let us look at Second Peter chapter 1 and uh, we'll look at a few verses and uh, we'll understand. It's a very familiar passage. I'm not teaching anything new, but let us see that family passage and see how deep the scripture is sometimes. Uh, we might miss certain points. There are things which have already spoken, but things which uh, could be new. Let's read from verse <clears throat> 1 onwards. Yeah, Let's read from verse 1 onwards. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith, with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So we heard this in so many contexts. So the kind of faith that we all have is what kind of faith? Apostolic faith. Okay. <laughs> so grace and peace be multiplied. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus our Lord. Let's go on. Three. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life, and godliness, 
through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue by which we have been given which have, which, well, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be made partakers of the divine nature so the promises of god are given primarily i would say according to me for us to have become partakers of the divine nature all right it's a remarkable word it's not an easy thing to if we look at the verse so casually sometimes that means through the promises the very life of christ and the life of god becomes our life the transformation if you will the transference of life the life of god becomes our life all right that is that is what he's talking about here that is the reason why gospel is just not a message it is the power of god unto salvation that is the reason why paul says when i come to you i want to see not the talk of people but the power for the kingdom of god is not a matter of talk but it is a matter of what power power to transform us to power to change us from the inside out to make us like him and it takes incredible amounts of breaking my dear brothers it's not easy so whomever you surrender yourself to god what does god do first he breaks you and you have to be broken it is impossible for us to be partakers of be made partakers of this divine nature um without being broken so I'll give you some time. <clears throat> yeah. So, let's read. Yeah. So, therefore, his, uh, by the knowledge of him. And, and then, through these, so that through them, we, you may be partic- you may participate or partake of the divine nature and also, at the same time, escape the corruption that is in the world which is caused by evil desires or lust. So, we partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world. The world and its fashions are passing away, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So, that is the reason why the promises have been given. Because when, so, what God is going to enlarge, so how is he going to do that? Let's read from verse 5 now. Okay. First, therefore, therefore, for this very reason, uh, if you can put it back in KJV, NKJV, I think it's in NIV. I actually put it in an IV when I was reading. Okay. But for all this, for this very reason, giving what? All diligence. That means every kind of diligence. Okay. Diligence is one thing. All diligence is another thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So, for example, every, every trade has its own kind of diligence, right? Okay. For example, if you want to be good at reading, I mean, good, good at English. I mean, spoken English. You read and listen. You read and listen. You keep on reading and you have to just familiarize yourself with the language and, uh, the, one of the ways people say that you have to learn a language is to delve into, just dive into the environment and become familiar with the vocabulary. Okay. That is how children learn. So you, that is how language you learn. Uh, for example, when I wanted to learn Hebrew, um, the standard way of uh, learning is uh, learn the alphabet and learn the syntax and they learn uh, everything like this, right? So that I, it was I, it was taking such a long time for me. I said this is not the way to do it. You know what I did? I just downloaded the MP3 of the Torah in Hebrew and listened to it. I didn't learn the alphabet. I just had an idea of what the 22 consonants are. Put the MP3 and started reading along with the MP3. And then now I can read. See, that is, that is the kind of diligence that you need to have in order to learn language. 
Okay. If you want to learn a sport, you have a different kind of diligence. I mean, there's, you have to get up in the morning, you have to, you have to practice fitness, you have to do all kinds. If you want to learn maths, there's another, another kind of diligence. So therefore, in order to be made partakers of the divine nature, there is all kinds of diligence. There are different kinds of diligence. And that is what he's talking about. So what is that all diligence? Add to your faith. Because we have faith. Thank you so much. Okay. Add to your faith. Virtue. First, he starts with faith. We receive, all of us received faith. Okay. We have all received a measure of faith according to Romans chapter 12. And uh, Luke's gospel chapter 17 verse 5. Just look at that first. Verse first. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Let's go back now to First Peter, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. Okay, all diligence add to your faith. First thing, what is that? Virtue. You know, it's a very interesting word, virtue. The word is, it comes from the root word, to be like men. That's the word, virtue. Now, whenever we look at virtue, we associate it with women. There's a virtuous woman in the Bible, of course. There is a woman of virtue. Okay, But, Actually, the word is to be like men. I, I remember Pastor was, uh, we were praying with Pastor on uh, last Sunday. Remember? We were there. I don't know if, you, if, if everybody, everybody was there. And one of the things that he looked at, he says, let all men leave up, lift up holy hands. But before you lift up holy hands, what should you give up? First, first you have to give up away doubt and that you put away all anger, wrath. And you should lift up Holy hands. You can read that. First Peter chapter, First Timothy chapter two, verses one and two. First Timothy chapter two, verses one and two. Hmm? Therefore, I exhort, first of all, uh, sorry, verse three, verse three, verse three, verse three and four. If I'm right, three or four. Four, four. Okay, eight, eight. Yeah. I desire, therefore, that men should pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. The word for doubting is without disputing, without. Without disputation. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves. So he says, for one of the things that you need to give up is anger. So real men control their anger. You be angry, but you do not sin, right? To act like men. That's what it means. Virtue means to act like men. And he was telling all of us, he says, to be chivalrous (laughs) with your wives. (laughs) Okay. To be chivalrous, to be kind, to be, to treat them truly as a weaker vessel, and yet be firm. So, for, to be like that, you, you, you cannot manufacture that out of your brain box. Oh, how do I do this? Oh, it is something which God has to impart to you through faith. Okay. So, act like men. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Okay. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong is what NKJV says, right? Look at what ESV says. Yeah. Watch, yeah, yeah, thank you. That's in ESV and also uh, uh, KJV. Watch, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. So actually be, be, be strong, be like men, be like true men, it says in one, one translation. Yeah, ESV, yeah. Act like men, be strong. Act like men. 
<laughs> so, I, I, I was wondering what Paul meant by that actually. So, not like mere men, act like men. He, he talks about being mere men in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. To understand this, 1420 of 1 Corinthians, 1420. Okay. 1420. Hmm? Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. Actually, in KJV uses the word, in understanding be men, it says. Be men in understanding. But in understanding be men. That's the word virtue. To act like true men. Why is this important? What is what we are living in a society where it's a totally effeminate society that people don't know what it is what it is to be men. Okay. So he's he's talking about growing up to become mature people. So there are at least three areas we should act. We should we we should really. I mean, when we look at our lives, am I really mature? Am I have am I really grown up? Three areas, important areas. To understand, to know whether we are really virtuous in that sense. We'll see. We'll see those. I mean, I'm talking about behavior areas. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. The chapter on love, right? <clears throat> look at, look at it. Look at how it says. What it says. Chapter 13, oh, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. And when I became a man, I put away childish things. We'll come to the women also later, but just 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 look at this first. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away. So what is putting away childish things? This is important, right? Okay. What is putting away childish things? Now, when you look at this verse, you should understand the verse itself gives us a clue as to what putting away childish things means. I put away the way I speak. I don't speak like a child anymore. My childish way of speaking is gone. I put it away. Second thing, I put away the way I understand. Like a child. Third, I put away the way I think like a child. No, think about this. Okay, think about this. Every time we go to a higher level in our, even on our school, schooling, it happens seamlessly, isn't it? Okay. And you go to a different class, but when you, if you're passed an exam, it happens seamlessly and you, and you somehow are consci- conscious about the fact that you've grown. Okay. Yeah. So, so, of course, at certain, certain times it's definitely, um, for example, when you come from uh, class 12 and you come to university, college to university, there's a huge difference. I, I know a lot of people struggle with that. Okay, it takes a, light, a, a, a bit more time to, for them to seamlessly, uh, progressively ameliorate into the into the university life. No, so I remember in the first semester when we go to the university because most of them come from Kota factory or China. Kota factories where people are taught and tutored, spoon fed, etc. During their uh, schooling days. Now suddenly when they come to university, they are totally at sea. So we. What, what happens is the freshman year is a year when they, when we really pamper them. So we I have a, every course has a battery of tutors. So I ha, when I was teaching a particular course, I used to have 24 tutors under me for a class. 
24 tutors. I used to teach the course and I also managed 24 tutors so that the tutors would go and make the stuff which I, which I taught them more relevant and feed them simply so that because they're suddenly, you know, from, they've come from college, they've come to university and it's seamless, uh, it's not seamless for them. So similarly, even, even in, in this, in this area. So what, what is he talking about? He's saying when you were a child, you spoke like a child. And you understood like a child and you thought like a child. And when you become a man, now how should you do? You should speak like a man. You should understand like a man and you should think like a man. Three areas. So first let us come to speech. It doesn't, first of all, by the way, it does not, it doesn't, it's not, it's got nothing to do with age. It's talk, it's talking about spiritual age. Okay. Okay, speech is important. Okay, look at what it says in First Timothy chapter four, verse twelve. First hmm? Timothy chapter four, verse twelve. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in in speech, speech, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And first thing he talks about is what speech, your word. Observe the way you speak. Okay. That is the reason why let your words be seasoned with salt and full of grace. Okay. Okay. Like the ear tastes, I mean, like the mouth tastes food, the ear tastes words. Understand this. How are your words? What comes out of from your mouth comes from your Hard it says, Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 44 and 45. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 44 and 45. Hmm? For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bamboo bush. And then a good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good. So do you have a treasure in your heart? You know, it says, the lips of the righteous feed knowledge, it says in Proverbs chapter 10. The lips of the righteous. See. So when when people, you, when you sit around people, let your words be those words which what? Edify, build people up. In every conversation. Even if it's a funny conversation. See? Okay. And then out of the evil, an, an evil man out of the evil treasure of your heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of your heart, what speaks? The mouth speaks. And what comes out of Jesus' mouth, out of the abundance of his heart, at the worst point in his life, Father, forgive them. Today, you shall be with me in paradise. <laughs> okay. Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold thy your son. These are the words. It is finished. Tetelestai, paid in full. See? So, And that, that is the reason why how how is a heart? Just think about it, no? He says the good treasure of his heart. That is the reason why he says, my son, when you, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. <laughs> That's amazing. Treasure. See, this is important. That is the reason why every word that we receive, be, be grateful and say, Lord, let treasure. Our, uh, you know, ev- for everything that we, um, we talk about Mary, you know, Mary hears all the words that Jesus speaks. She doesn't understand, but what does she do? Uh, she ponders them. She puts them in her heart. Let it be there. 
Later on in life, you will understand. <laughs> okay. So, so it's, it's important, therefore, therefore, this year, through this year, in order for you to grow in virtue, and therefore in speech, primarily, it's important for you to meditate on the word. How long? Day and night. That's the point. Now, you, this is a very important uh, thing. That means in the background, this thing has to be running. Parallel processing should take, uh, take place. Multiple, and, and when you're looking at your, even if you're working in a software company or you're, a, or you're or an employee, everywhere you're doing, what you're looking, constantly you're looking at life through that perspective. And nothing in a believer's life is secular. Everything is sacred. Exactly. Everything is sacred. I mean, I was talking to Peter and Sam the other day, saying, nothing that happens in a believer's life, whatever you get in your life, you can, will not get it for easily. If it is of value. If it is something of truth, if it is something which is impactful, okay. that is the reason why the words of God are tried words, that tried in a furnace, how many times? Seven times. And that is the reason why, what, what, is, what happens to Elijah? Elijah has to become a man of virtue. So when he speaks to the widow, she says, now I know that you are a man of God and the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. What a word that is. Because now he has been formed in that furnace of affliction. Okay. 17.3 Proverbs. 17.3 Proverbs. A refining pot is for silver and a furnace for gold. But the Lord tests the heart. You see, so whatever comes out of your mouth is actually coming from your heart. <laughs> it's actually a doorway into your heart. So the testing, that's the reason why the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, which perishes, may be found to bring glory and praise at the appearance of Jesus Christ. Okay. So he tests the heart. He allows situations and trials to birth virtue, my dear brothers. Okay. 18.4, Proverbs. 18.4. Hmm? The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. That is the reason why James says how the same fountain should not come bitter water and sweet water. So when bitterness comes, you know, what is there deep down inside? What do you have? Bitterness. Lest there be any root of bitterness, he says. We looked at that in different, different contexts in our church, in different studies. The root of bitterness. So God is looking at our speech. Therefore, how do we develop this speech? Meditation. And speaking, actually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Two, two things. Ephesians chapter 5. We'll look at it several times. But anyways, let us look at it once again. <clears throat> the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. Sorry, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Verse 18, sorry. I, think we should, I should put my mo- mobile phone in airplane mode. Otherwise, there's constant disturbance over here. <laughs> and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. How? Speaking to one another in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs. Okay, I'll, I'll make that choruses, like Pastor says, no? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You see? In your heart. So you know what? 
through your devotions, that your daily devotion that you get, start also singing genuine songs of praise. I mean, like, I, I, simple truths actually. A.W. Tozer made a very powerful statement. He said, give me the status of your Bible and the condition of your Bible and the condition of your hymn book. I will tell you the condition of your soul. The condition of your Bible and the condition of your hymn book, I will tell you the condition of your soul. So meditate upon the Psalms. And most of the Psalms, you see, David writes, are under distress, under stress, most of the time. Understand that. Okay. Then, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are also called and be in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ, Christ means the anointed word. Let the anointed word dwell in you how, how? Richly. That means spoil yourself with your anointed word. That's what we have, we did actually last year. We spoiled you. With the anointed word. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with what in your heart? Grace in your heart. And there it says, make melody in your heart. And here it says, with grace in your heart to the Lord. Actually, the word for grace is charis, from which we get the word thankful. Always being thankful to God in your heart. That is the reason why when you have gratitude, what automatically comes out of your mouth is, is praise. When you're really grateful, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Automatically, you don't, nobody has to say. Somebody comes and you're in a really terrible condition financially. Somebody comes in like a like an angel from heaven and he says, this is what the Lord told me and he has given you this money. Just imagine, oh, thankful brother. How automatically it comes, right? That is virtue. It's praise and thanksgiving. And that is what Jesus always did. He looked up to heaven and he gave thanks. When he received the word, he gave thanks and he broke it. After It says, after had he had given thanks. And it says in first, uh, John's Gospel chapter 6, where the Lord had given thanks, well, the breaking of bread. Hmm. So therefore, guard what you listen. Okay, because what comes out of your mouth is what goes into you. Right? Guard what you listen, be very careful. That is the reason why it says in uh, Mark 4 verse 24, Luke 8, 18. For the 780th time. It's on hyperbole. I, I think it's more than that, okay. <laughs> right? Mark 4, 24. Then take heed, then he said to them, take heed what you hear. Job chapter 33 verse 4 if I'm right. If I'm right. Uh-huh. So, uh, where it says, uh, as a tongue tastes food. The 33.6? Is it it? No. Oh, what is it? Joel 12.11? Okay, let's see. Does not ear test words and the mouth taste its food? Yeah, thank you so much, Sami. 12.11, easy to remember. Okay, Job 12.11. Does not your ear, so what should your ear do? Test words. Your receiver. Okay. 
it should have a filter okay we have filters in our in our emails and in our browsers etc but how about having a filter in your ear test the words like the mouth tasteful in other words you should be like a, what we call as a a cupbearer what does a cupbearer do he tastes to see if he dies first they'll wait, just, 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 they'll first they will wait the cupbearer takes the food and everybody will be waiting if he drops dead they will not give it to the king <laughs> that is how it means that means you have to guard your words which come into your life the way you guard your life because you are guarding what virtue that is what it means hmm? first get that in, into your uh, test your words look at what it says in 17:4 proverbs superb verses 17:4 proverbs huh proverbs proverbs sorry an evil doer gives heed to false lips now what you give heed to determines what kind of a person you are a liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue so the kind of news that you observe depends upon the kind of person you are so if you are always looking at cnn we know what what kind of a person you are hmm? fox we don't know he is really a fox hmm? okay epoch times okay but who reads epoch times Look at yesterday's indictment. See, I mean, I look at it every time. I somehow I think it's there in my browser, browsing list. It comes, pops up every time. CNN pops up, and the kind of lies they spew out of their mouth, and people just take it in. Why? Because they love it. It says, you know, my the prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bring deceit, and my people love love that kind of a knowledge. You see. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. Actually, the NLT is even more powerful. Look at what it says in NLT. Hmm? Wrongdoers listen to wicked talk. Liars pay attention to destructive words. Okay. Another translation you have MSG message maybe message also has got interesting rendering. Evil people relish malicious conversation. Okay, evil people relish malicious conversation. The ears of liars itch for dirty gossip. Itch for test the words because your virtue is dependent upon the kind of words. Because what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. Therefore, what goes in is important. Pure heart. Understand? It's powerful words, isn't it? So, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. Now, when I become a man, I don't speak like a man anymore. I mean, like a child anymore. I put away childish talk, foolish talk. That's what he says. Avoid uh, vain babblings. Vain babblings. In, in Telugu, it is very interesting. Musalamma <laughs> muchatlu. It's Musalamma <laughs> muchatlu means all these old women's, old wives' tales. You know what happened? You know what happened? It's a dread Remove all that and start speaking like a man. 
that is virtue second start thinking like a man becoming mindful of the things of god okay savoring the things of god 1621 matthew in kjv if you will From the time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. And verse 22, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not ah, the things that be of God. That means a real mature man starts savoring. You know what savor means, right? Ah, to taste again. Your tastes have to have to change. When you were a child, you liked chocolate a lot. When you grow up, your tastes have to change completely. Right? When you were a child, you used to watch a lot of cartoon movies. Okay. One Tom and Jerry funny scene will tickle you to death. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, 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 it's incredible. But when you grow up, you'll show cartoons to only children, Baba. Of course, nowadays we have mature cartoons. <laughs> right? Actually, you see that cartoons, it's so demonic now, actually. Many of them. All those cartoons are gone. Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and Goofy and all those characters. No, nobody actually sees them. I don't think anybody watches them anymore. It's all kinds of demonic stuff only now. What I am saying is, when you when you are when you are a child, it's very very easy to make you laugh. No, now you can't watch the same movies you watched when you were a kid. You watch Tenet. You want reverse entropy and all now. Not ordinary entropy. <laughs> you see? You see, when you are growing up, you start, now you become mindful. Now, this is very interesting, okay? If you now turn with me to Romans chapter 8, and I showed you that uh, PDF, that, uh, that slide, if you can put it up for me, please. Romans chapter 8, in the modern NIV. Look at how it says in modern NIV, Romans chapter 8, verse 5 onwards. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh. It's talking about a mindset. Because you need a, we are, because we are talking about what? Thought life, right? It's talking about mindset. On what the flesh desires. They have their minds set on the, what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. So if you have become a spiritual man, now you know what the desires of the spirit are. And one of the desires of the spirit, you know what it is? To glorify Jesus. That's it. We'll come to that virtue part. I'll tell, I'll tell you why, why that is important. Okay. Have their mind set on what the spirit desires. And second, the mind governed by, you see, the mind which is set on the fleshly desires, mind governed by the flesh. That's what Pastor was talking about. It's a spiritual thing. Because the works of the flesh are 
Okay, adultery, fornication, etc., etc. And one of the things is sorcery and idolatry. That is also a work of the flesh. Like yesterday we were looking, looking at it, it says sorcery is the only craft, only uh, trade which God says will be out of heaven. There is not going to be sorcery in heaven. That means everything else is, else is there. There is literature in heaven, for sure. There is poetry in heaven, Baba. There is construction in heaven. There is no doctor in heaven. <laughs> because sorcery is pharmakia. Okay, so you don't need medicines anymore. Okay, pharmakia from which we get sorcery. Pharmakia is not there, so no doctoring. Every other trade is there in heaven. So what should you have? You should have a mind which is set on the spirit. What are going to be the, my trades in heaven? Governing along with Jesus. There will be government in heaven. There will be administration in heaven. Okay. So there will be trades in heaven. Definitely there will be engineering in heaven. I think. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, the mind governed by the flesh is dead. By the mind which is governed. I love that word governed. That's the reason why the modern NIV translation is fantastic here. That's the reason why I brought it up there. Mind governed by the spirit. What does it say? The government shall be upon his shoulders and of the increase of the government should there shall, not, there shall not be any. And if God has to enlarge on us, therefore he has to enlarge our mind to think the way who thinks? The spirit thinks. Understand? Okay, there's a mind which is set on the fleshly desires. The mind which is not no longer, uh, the mind which is therefore no longer set on what the flesh desires. The mind which is set on what the spirit desires. The mind which is governed by the spirit. And thirdly, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. And it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And therefore, what is the mind governed by the spirit? Therefore, it submits to God's law. Understand one thing. Has your submission increased is important. Submission to the word of God. We looked at David yesterday. Acts 13.22. Don't have to turn there. David did all the will of God, it says. Okay. And respect. All the will of God. I found a man, uh, the son of Jesse, who will do all my will. All my will. And that is the reason why John 7, 17 says, if anyone wills to do my will, he will know. Why don't we have revelation? Because we don't have the will to obey. Because revelation is not given for our personal enjoyment and to think that we are better than others. It's not for one-upmanship. Those people who are surrendered to the will of God will get revelation. More revelation. Why don't we have revelation? Because simply we still have to, we want to still have our own will in our lives. Understand that? So, there's a mind which is governed by the spirit and there's a mind which is governed by the flesh. The mind which is set on the desires of the flesh. But we have received exceedingly great precious promises that we should escape the corruption which is in the world through what? Through fleshly desires, it says in other translations. There's a desires of the flesh. But the promises of God are given to what? To overcome these fleshly desires and to replace the desires with the desires of the spirit. Actually, the desires of the spirit gives you more satisfaction than the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh will lead you, will make you empty. That is the reason why after 1972, Bobby Fischer did not want to play the next match. 1972, he became the world champion and after that he became empty. He became mad. He just became a crazy fool. After that. 
sometimes you you'll see all these big big people why do they have this constant desire to go for more for more for more because more success makes them more hungry nothing satisfies them but there's only one god who satisfies who's that god you have five wives five husbands and you're living with a sixth but i've come to give you life okay those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot Please God, and therefore you should move for the, to the what? To the realm of the spirit. And what is the realm of the spirit? Next verse, I showed you. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Look at what it says. In the same way, the spirit helps our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I like that. Through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit. Because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. What is the will of God? We should know. And he who does the will of God gets incredible satisfaction. And that's the reason why. Did anybody give him food to eat? The disciples asked. You know what Jesus said? My food is to do the will of God. After you eat this food, you will feel hungry again. But when I do the will of God, I get strength and I am not. I don't feel hungry again. I'm satisfied really. So first, first thing, you speak like a man. Second, they can begin to understand. That means, start allowing the Spirit of God to train your thought life. The way you think. Okay. Mindset of the flesh. Hmm? Third one. First is understood. The way they understood things. And the third thing, it says, let's go back. Uh, and I, when I became a child, I thought as a child when I was a child. Now I don't think like a child anymore. First, I understood like a child. And third one is a thought like a child. What is thought like? The reasoning of a child. The word is logismo. Logismo, from which we get the word logic. Reasoning. How do we reason? Okay. You know, I think A.W. Tozer wrote a book. Oh, it's not a book actually. It was a series of uh, messages uh, which... Uh, which which is titled as the reasonable reasonableness of faith. That's how it's titled. Words to that, that effect. Uh, the faith beyond reason or reasonable, reasonableness of faith. You see, when you become mature, you understand the logic of faith. Okay? Logic of faith. I'll give you an example. Hebrews chapter 11, hmm? verses 17 to 19. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, hmm, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. The word is, concluding that. You know what the actual word is? Reasoning that. Reasoning that. God was able to even raise. That means if God has promised, what is his reason? This reason is based upon the who God is, the character of God. I know exactly what God has promised. God has said, through this guy, your seed will be called. Now, if he, God is asking me to kill him, he's going to raise him from the dead again. That is faith. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. That means what? There is a reasonableness of faith. That means what? Now you are able to reason through faith. You are not reasoning. You are able to reason in faith. That's what it means. 
That is how faith is. You have the trust in God completely. And God, you trust God completely and God trusts you completely. You know, that says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Right? And they did not love their lives even out of that. Who is the bride of Christ? And the bride of Christ also says in Revelation chapter 14, if I'm right, it says, um, uh, they follow, they follow the lamb wherever he goes. They trust him implicitly. And Jesus overcame the devil, it says, and those who are with him are the called, the chosen, the faithful. This is all the characteristics of the bride. That means they know the bride so well, it's like, you know, I know what my husband is doing. I know what he's, what he means. I, I trust my husband implicitly, and how do I know that I am Trust my husband implicitly. My husband also. Trust me implicitly. That is virtue. Turn now to Proverbs chapter uh, 31 please. Verse 10 to 12. Who can find a virtuous woman? Okay. Now what is that? What is that? This is basically... A rhetorical statement, okay. <laughs> Very rarely, okay. <laughs> For a worth is far above rubies. Look at this, verse, seven, verse 11. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. And then, verse 12, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Why? Because she knows how her husband thinks. She implicitly trusts the nature of her husband. When my husband is scolding me or rather uh, uh, reprimanding me, he is reprimanding me for a reason because he loves me. That is the kind of rapport that they have. That is the reason why there is a great is a mystery of godliness and great is a mystery of marriage. Why? Because Christ is the one who is sanctifying his, his bride. And why is he sanctifying? What is he doing? He's constantly correcting his bride. So that he can trust her more. You know that? He sanctified Paul so much, he says, God counted me faithful, trustworthy. Yeah. Understand that. Safely trust her. Alright? John's Gospel, chapter 2. Can we look at it in NIV, please? Verses 23 to 25. Hmm? Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous sign he was doing and he believed in his name. Now, while, okay. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, <laughs> for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about him, about him, about man, for he knew what was in man. That means, if God, God can't entrust himself with you. That means he doesn't trust you. But if he can actually entrust himself with you and safely trust you, that means you are, you've grown in what? Maturity, the way you think. There's a the reasoning of faith. Okay, There's a reasoning of faith. Those are three things we looked at. We looked at the speech, we looked at understanding, and we looked at thought, the reasoning. Let us look at a few more about virtue. You see, when you talk about virtue, what is virtue? One man of God 
interestingly puts it in this way. He says, virtue is something which remains after an act of obedience. Yeah. Virtue is something which remains after an act of obedience. For example, for example, I tell Abigail and Emmanuel, okay, clean up your room the moment you, the, day, the time that you get up from in the morning. Okay. So they consistently do it over a period of time. They're obeying their father in cleaning up their room and getting things in order. They're obeying. After a while, they'll go out. What remains with them? Discipline. Right? Order. So what remains after an act of obedience is what? Virtue. How did uh, Jesus have virtue? It says, power didn't flow out of him. Virtue flowed flowed out of him. Why? Because he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So when he learned obedience, even in his own home, he became submissive to his parents in his own home in Nazareth. He went down to Nazareth and he submitted himself to them. And the act of obedience, after it is over, what remains is what? Virtue. You understand? So whatever remains after an act of obedience is what virtue is. You have the ability to concentrate long hours of time. In any research field, for your, for example, you have to concentrate for long hours of time. After that, you leave research and you go, go, go on to another field. What, what remains with you is what? The ability to sustain long, long suffering is what is virtue. What remains with you after an act of obedience is virtue. Okay. And God had only one plan for his son. What was it? He has to learn obedience to the things he suffered. And what is it? What is there for us? We have to learn obedience to the things that we suffer. Understand that? Okay? So start thinking on these lines. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Hmm? Know this was very well, right? Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any praiseworthy things, meditate on these things. Develop that. That is the first thing I want to talk about. Virtue. Test what you are listening to. So how did you, how do you know that we have obtained virtue? There's one test. Okay. Actually, two tests. We'll look at the two tests. Okay. Let's look at first Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 5. And the apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Now, this very interesting verse is sandwiched between two, two lessons that Jesus tells them. Let us look at the first lesson and the second lesson. Okay. Sandwich me, you have the bread on top, you have the jam in the middle. And you have the bread on the bottom. Okay. So, okay, the material in the middle. The material in the middle is increase our faith. So first part of the sandwich. Then his disciples said to him, it is impo- uh, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they come. In other words, we know how you are virtuous in the way you offer, handle offense. Okay. It would be better for him if a millstone, etc. Okay, then let's go on. Move, move, verse 3. Okay. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, 
seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall. That means your forgiveness should be complete, perfect, thorough. Seven times, seven times you, will not, you will not count the number of times he does, he does uh, sin against you, right? It's not, it's not, doesn't mean that way. He says you have to have the heart to forgive. And then verse 5 now. And the apostle said, increase our faith. But this kind of a life you have to have faith. To forgive somebody, that means the ability to overlook an offense. See, that is virtue. How Jesus was offended? My God. Incredible, isn't it? Offended left, right and said his parents, his brothers, his people in Nazareth. They actually wanted to throw him out of a, down the cliff. <laughs> okay. And then he never had anything against them. That is virtue. Then, look at the next verse. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be pulled up from the roots and be planted in the sea. And it would and it would obey you. And, so it's continuing, and which of you having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in front of, in, uh, come from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, gird yourself, serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterwards you eat and drink? And verse 9, does he thank the servant because he did the things that he was, he was commanded to uh, commanded him? I think not. So, likewise, when you have done all those things which you have commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. You know what virtue means? That means you are duty bound. You are duty bound. You do not, you are not even looking for appreciation. Who, who needs appreciation the most of the time? Children. Good job, good job, great job, fantastic job. Okay. After you come to <laughs> that particular level, there's no no more good job. I mean, you just get one word maybe. Jesus had only two times the father intervening in his in his life. This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. When he went into the waters of baptism, second in the mountain mountain of transfiguration, Peter was opening his mouth. He said, "Please shut your mouth, Peter." Okay, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. That's it. Two times commendation. That means people of virtue are duty bound. It is their nature. Whether people appreciate them or not appreciate them, they are at their post. Understand? Oh, thank you Vijay for doing such a fantastic job. Again, thank you Vijay for doing... Can you imagine if people keep on thanking me for, for doing a fantastic job and I say, please Lord, enough now. <laughs> okay, this this and in, in other words, if if that is what sustains me, then I should not be in this business. I'm not saying that God, we should not uh, appreciate people. Uh, that is not what I'm talking about. But we don't live on appreciation. Yeah, even Elijah himself needed that kind of a, a comfort, right? Don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we are duty bound. Two things about virtue. We do not take offense. Okay? And we are duty bound. Two things. Alright? So let us go to the next one. <clears throat> First Peter, second Peter chapter two and verse one. Verse five, sorry. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence add to faith virtue, and to virtue, what should you add? Knowledge. Now, what is knowledge? What what knowledge is he talking about? John's Gospel, chapter 17, verses 1 to 3. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his 
eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that you should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You should know two people. You should know the only true God. Then you should know Jesus Christ. Both these people you should know. That is knowledge. You should know God is holy. And that holy God requires punishment for sin. And therefore you need to know the holiness of God and you should also know the grace of God. You should know the severity of God and you should know the kindness of God. Both these things you should know. Okay, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So what you need is the knowledge of the Holy One. Holy One. And when you see the Holy One, what will, what will you say? Behold, I am a man of unclean lips. Everything will come out to the, to the surface. See, the only way of knowing yourself is to know God. You cannot know God, I mean, know yourself apart from knowing God. It is impossible. It is impossible. It's just like this, no? How do you know that you are very bad in math? There should be a, some, com, some kind of a comparison. Or any language for that matter. Okay. So you have the best in the class and everything is compared to him. People say we don't should not compare. But it, life is like that. But the problem is there are unjust scales and balances. There is only one stone which is the perfect stone. We, who is that stone? God. You should be weighed and every time you compare yourself with that God, you will be found wanting. And that is the reason you need to understand. It is impossible to understand yourself unless and until you understand God, the holiness of God. That God is absolutely the other. Okay? Holy one. He's separate. The only way you will know yourself when you confront or you have a confrontation with God. And that is when you really, really genuinely repent. And then you'll say, the goodness of God brings forth what? True and genuine repentance. You see God who is holy and you see what required the atonement. What required? It is Jesus Christ, the perfect one who had to bring atonement. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1 please. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. 1 to 3. God at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us through his son. Okay, so you have God through his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he had made the worlds. Okay, three and four now. Yeah. Who being the brightness of his glory, the exact representation of the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he himself, how what? Purged our sins. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. In other words, in order for you to, for your sins to be purged, it was not the blood of bulls and goats. It the blood of the precious lamb of Christ who was without spot or without blemish. Okay. That is how you understand God. Like it is the holiness of God. Meaning what? The cross is absolutely the, the representation of how holy God is. That he hates sin with our vengeance. He became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Okay. That means if you want to grow in your repentance, 
you should what grow in your understanding of who god is the more you know and know god you know what will happen the more you become humble it is that that is the kind of knowledge we are talking about it is a knowledge of who clearly god is okay leviticus chapter 10 and verses 1 to 3 nadab and abihu the sons of aaron this is interesting okay till leviticus chapter 9 it was a seven day ordination feast ceremony of the sons of aaron they were ordained to be the high priests and the priests nadab and abihu the sons of aaron took this censer put fire on it put incense on it and offered what kind of fire profane strange fire other translations we use another word translation we use use the word unauthorized fire before the lord which he had not commanded and look at what happens so fire went out from the lord and devoured them and they died before the lord and moses said to aaron this is what the lord spoke saying by those who come near me i must be regarded as what holy i am set apart so when you have so what do you have the outer courts in the outer courts there is only natural light and then you have the holy place in the holy place there is a lamp which is born which is under the seven stamp seven stand menorah which is throwing light onto the shubhrad or the table of shubhrad and you have the altar of incense now which is in the holy most holy place and then you have the most holy place it says i will speak to you from where from the most holy place from the most holy place that is where genuine revelation and knowledge of god comes so what should we increase in this year in knowledge of the holy one of the holy holiness of god that is the reason why i said no an unfulfilled promise should inspire what living holy living holy living okay put away things which are absolutely which is going to hinder this walk with you walk with lord a walk of holiness okay deuteronomy chapter 33 verses 9 to 11 look at what it says deuteronomy chapter 33 verses 9 to 11 who says of his father okay actually we can uh, read from verse 8 if i'm right Yeah. and of levi he said let your thumim and your urim be with your holy one okay whom you tested at massa and with whom you contended at the waters of meriba what what does he have he has urim and he has thumim of the who of of the holy he is a holy one meaning what he needs to understand boss you have to increase in your separation okay and let's let's read on whom you tested at massa whom you contended the mortars of mortars of meriba and he says of his father and mother i have not seen them nor did he acknowledge his brothers okay that is the reason why out of 600000 men only 50000 separated themselves the rest of them did not, did not take a stand they joined themselves to the idols and this people they were so radical not did they acknowledge his brothers or known his own children for they have observed your word and kept your covenant and verse 8 will say verse 10 will say they shall teach jacob your judgments and israel your law and they shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar what kind of a sacrifice whole burnt sacrifice not just half complete and what is the primarily uh, the levites were supposed to teach what were they supposed to teach the law and what is specifically in the law ezekiel chapter 44 verses 23 and 24 and they shall teach my people the difference between the 
holy and the unholy, actual translations, profane, holy and the profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. Now, there's a lot of difference, no? There are, see, everything which is unclean first has to be made clean. And then whatever is clean has to be given to God so that it becomes what? Holy. Not everything which is clean is holy. Only when it is set apart for God, it is holy. For example, for example, a lot of people give up smoking because it destroys their health. Ah, no, we have become from, from unclean, you have become clean. A lot of people give up smoking because it, uh, it hinders their performance at their workplace. A lot of people exercise because they want to live long. Okay. A lot of people don't eat junk because they want to have a better performance, whatever. No, these are, these are all, they're all clean, but they're not necessarily holy. You have incredible discipline, but for, for, for what? For what is the purpose? So first, you have to cleanse yourself, and then you say, Lord, use me. That is the second part. That is when you say, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. When is it? When does it become a holy and acceptable? Only when you give yourself to God. You are sanctified, set apart for God, only then it becomes holy. You are holy unto the Lord. Otherwise, you are holy unto the world. Hmm. Or holy unto your career. And so what is the, what is the Levite supposed to be? The difference between the holy and the common. In other words, whenever you take the holy things and make them common, you do what? Profane them. See, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. And 3, five, right? Verse 2 and 3, 3, verse 3, sorry. <clears throat> okay. Rem- huh? Sorry? Excuse me. Um, this is ah four verse four. Okay, marriage is honorable among all, and bed undefiled. That's the reason it's called what matrimony? Holy matrimony. Set apart. And you see, maximum number of bad languages or profanity is connected with with that one, the sacred act between a man and a woman. In every language, by the way. Every language. They are experts in this. Right? Most of the bad, that's the reason why it's called profanity. Profane words. Profane conversation. That means whenever you take something which is holy and make it commonplace. Meaning, you take something which is sanctified and set apart in the bedroom and make it public, it becomes what? Profane. That's what has happened in this world. And what is a Levite supposed to teach them? That teach them the difference between the holy and the profane. My dear brothers, what a world we live in. The world which actually speaks about these things as if it's such an easy thing. No, they don't. No, no we, we, have, we have been really dulled in our conscience. We are not conscience stricken when we hear, hear such bad words or anything of that sort when we see some, something on the television. It doesn't bother us, bother us anymore. Cartoons are like that. Advertisements are like that. It's all taking the holy things of God and making them what? Common. Profane. One, one man of God said, no, marriage is for your sanctification. <laughs> to make you more holy. It is, a, it is a matrix of God for the sanctification of man. Is what he says. 
Okay, to make you holy, to make you pure, sanctify you. Okay, and so what are the priests supposed to teach them? What is the difference between the holy and the unholy? Therefore, he is, he is, he is, therefore, he says, let the urim and your thummim be with your who? With your holy one. That means God will only give revelation to those people who want to become sanctified and set apart for him. Urim means light, which is nothing but revelation. Okay, and obedience, obedience to sanctify. That is the reason why First Thessalonians chapter four, verse two and three. For you know the commandments which we gave you through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> uh, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. And each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. In other words, every one of you should know your own weaknesses by this time. And you should know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and in honor. And verse 5, verse 5, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that you should not take ad- any advantage of uh, of. Uh, of, uh, or, and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is avenger of all this as we also forewarned you and testified. So what is it? Sanctification. Holy. Holiness. Set apart for God. And you know what? One of the aspects that you have become holy, it is not, you don't have any uh, condescending nature. Uh, you don't have a condescending attitude. You don't look, look down upon people. Something else happens to you. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15. Okay, Look at this. Powerful verse. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in high and holy place and with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the one who is contrite. Isn't remarkable? So in other words, holy people are humble people. They're broken people. You see, when sadhus come out, they all... Their holiness gives them some pride. Their sanctified life makes them look down upon others. Now suddenly they become teachers. They become Sat Guru. Yeah, right? See? They, they have this aura about them. No. Holy people. In other words, the only way you connect with the Holy One of God is through a spirit of humility. Right? And that is the reason why it says, the prostitutes and the tax collectors are coming and becoming holy, whereas you fellows, who are ostensibly holy, are unclean. Your whitewashed tombs, full of uncleanness and dead dead man's bones. You're hypocrites. You're not broken people. Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 26 onwards. But what do you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I said to you, more than a prophet. He's talking about John the Baptist. This is he of whom is written, Behold, I send my messenger before you, before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is no greater than John the Baptist. And verse 29, When all the people heard him, even the tax collectors, Okay, what, uh, like Sister Elsa, you know, she keeps praying sometimes. She says, Republicans, sometimes every, I hear, hear them as publicans. 
that I don't hear it as public Republicans. I said publicans. That's a very good word for them. They're all publicans. <laughs> they are masquerading as Republicans. They're rhinos. Republicans in name only. Hmm? Yeah? <laughs> okay. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors, what did they do? They justified God having been baptized with the baptism of John. You know what they said? God, you are just. Who said that? The publicans. And what was 20, verse 30? Look at what it says. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. Who are these? They are the Pharisees. But what are they? Ostensibly righteous, ostensibly holy, but they are proud people. You see, that is what, when when we talk about holiness, just don't think that, you know, when holy people know, touch me not holier than thou. No. They are people who are humble. The humility of God. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And what does Jesus do? Touches him first. That is humility of God. He touches him. He makes himself of no reputation. He empties himself. And he is obedient even to the death of the cross. That is holiness. I, the lofty one, whose name is holy, where do I dwell? I dwell in the high and lofty place. And even with those people who are of a humble and a contrite spirit to revive the heart of the contrite ones. That is the reason why um, uh, David says, a broken and a contrite heart, spirit, you will not despise. In other words, you will accept it as what? As holy. You'll accept it. That is remarkable, isn't it? How different God's understanding of holiness is, sanctification is. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That means if you understand that God is humble, then you have become what? Holy. If you have understood and taken part of the holiness of God, who, what, what is this God? What kind of a God is this? That He will humble Himself and come under the subjection of His own creation? It's remarkable. He went down with them to Nazareth and subjected himself to him. And that is the only way for God to rot holiness and virtue through his life. That is remarkable. You see, that is the reason why character, when God is talking about enlarging and enlarging us, is actually talking about godly character. So that when I bless you, you have the character to hold it, my dear brothers. Come under the subjection. That is the reason why he tells uh, what is that? Uh, uh, young people. Young people, submit yourselves to your elders and every one of you be what? Clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That is how you have humility. I mean, meaning what? You take correction. You are not offended. Please, Lord, let this be the year I will... It is impossible that offenses come. It is, it is impossible. It will come. But virtuous is the man... Who has got the ability to handle offense? <clears throat> Understand that. Impossible for offenses not to come. Are you, anything can offend you. Your children will offend you in the morning. How do they offend you? You, are, you get up in the morning and you are doing your morning devotion. And they get up in the morning and immediately want to go and get ready for school. And you say, you are my children, pastor's kids. What are you supposed to do? You have to read your Bible and do, first of all do your intercession. Sorry, your uh, devotion. And they look at me like this. What is a strange fellow saying to me? And they have to get the discipline into them. Every day in the morning. They have their drawer there next to them. They have their Bible. They have their daily devotion morning. Why don't you read it? They offend you. 
it is a way God teaches us lessons as how to how many times we just got up from the bed and we never thought about him and did our only chores, right? How many times we did that? Uh, many times. There are urgent needs, God. There are pressing needs. That is the reason why one of the one thing which is most holy in our lives is what? Time. If the first part is holy, everything else is holy. So what did God, Jesus do? He took the first part of the day and he gave to God so that the rest of the part becomes what? Holy. Understand that. Early in the morning before everybody rises so that he will not disturb anybody. So that that holy place could be your own washroom. Your toilet could be your holy place. Do you know that? I used to have this question. Should we read books in the loo? Godly books in the loo? I think you should. We can. It's a, it's, it, it, if it's, that's the only place that you have, you can concentrate completely and give that time completely to God. Why not? I did it so many times, okay? <laughs> you see, the knowledge of the Holy One. So first, add to your faith what? Virtue. And virtue, add knowledge. Knowledge of what? Of the Holy One. Particularly, knowledge of the Holy One. That is understanding, the holiness of God. And when you understand God, you know what? Actually, it makes you, it makes you humble. You understand God and you say, Lord, you had mercy on me. I better have mercy on others. <laughs> I better have mercy on others. Okay. So how do you get this knowledge? Okay. How do you understand this knowledge? You know what? You understand this knowledge through anointing. If you want to understand God, you need to receive an anointing from God. And God is, what do we say? The knowledge of the Holy One. And therefore you should receive the anointing from the... Ah, you should receive the anointing from the Holy One. Otherwise you will not be able to understand God. How do I know it? 1 John chapter 2 verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you will know all things. Where did Jesus have the anointing from? From the Holy One. It says, He loved righteousness and He hated lawlessness. Therefore, the Lord as God anointed Him with the oil of gladness above all His teachers. And therefore, He had more understanding than all of His teachers. He had, what did He have more knowledge about? The more knowledge about the holiness of God. That God is holy. God is righteous. God is a God who will not forgive sin. And yet He has come to save man from his sin. That is the reason why that song in Christmas, what condescension? Bringing us redemption. That in the dead of night, not one faint hope in sight, God gracious tender, laid aside his splendor, stooping to woo, to win, to save my soul. Oh, how I love him. How I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my savior. And all God's fullness dwelleth in him. And he became the humble, contrite, the very tabernacle of God dwelling among man. That is the humility of God. That is what he gave Moses. He said, you know, Moses, Moses, I love my people so much, Moses. And I want to dwell among them. And I am just waiting for myself to come. You do one thing, Moses. Build Build for me a sanctuary. Build for me a sanctuary. So that I can have communion with my people. That is a condescension of God. And that very tabernacle of God tabernacled among us. 
and we beheld his glory the only begotten of the god the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and full of truth both that is the mystery of the incarnation the knowledge of the holy one that god is gracious and God is truthful. Therefore, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. What does he teach you? Verse 21 and 22. Verse 21 to 23. Let's read that. I have not written, uh, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Antichrist. That Jesus is the Christ. The God who came in the flesh. He is the one who came full of grace and truth. He is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Verse 23. Whoever denies the son does not have the father either. He who acknowledges the son has the father also. And verse 27, 26 and 27, 26 and 27. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him, who is at him? From the Holy One. Abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you. But the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. What does that mean? Simple one thing. It means what? When you are increasing in holiness, you love truth more than lies. You love truth more than lies. That's what I told you, no? We'll come back to 17.4. Proverbs. <laughs> Proverbs 17.4. Truth about yourself. Not about others. Okay. Others, God let us. An evildoer gives heed to false lips. A liar eagerly listens to a spiteful tongue. So what does a truthful man listen to? A tongue which speaks the truth about him. And therefore it says in Second Thessalonians, God will send them a strong delusion because they did not receive the love of the truths. They should be should believe a lie. And God sends them. That's exactly what happened to you, this Ahab also. Don't please send Micaiah to me, please. He doesn't prophesy good things about me. Or only lies. Please, 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 please. Can you imagine that? You come to a point in your life where you block truth out of your life completely? May it never be. Okay. Let's grow in truths. In truths. Okay, that is, that is what it means, right? Okay, let's move on to the next. Out of your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, and knowledge. Third thing, self-control. Okay, self-control, self-control, self-control. Okay, let us read this. Proverbs chapter 25, 28, and 16, 32. Both these verses. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. Can you put it in uh, NIV, please? NIV, please, if you don't mind. Self-control, it says. This is an NIV? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Who lacks self-control. Ten twenty-three of First Corinthians. Ten twenty-three of First Corinthians. Hmm? All things are lawful to me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for, lawful for me, but not all things edify. Philippians 4, 5. Philippians 4, 5. Let your um, gentleness, uh, can, can you have it in, in, in KJV or in uh, KJV maybe? Yeah. Let your moderation be known to 
all men the lord is at hand so what is self control to be moderation moderation matlab temperate temperate in all things moderation in other words you have the ability to say no okay. you also have the ability to take an offense also self control you don't get oh, for example your boss offends you what will you say oh i'm quitting the job i've heard so many people say that i'm quitting i'm going to another place Ten three Ecclesiastes. If you put put it in NIV NLT, maybe it's, it's interesting. I showed this so many times. Three and four, okay. <clears throat> Even as he walks along the road, the fool lacks sense and shows everyone how stupid he is. Okay. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Yeah, wow. Calmness can lay great errors to rest. interesting no can you put it in nlt different translations nlt is very interesting also if your boss is angry with you don't quit a quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes by mistake you must have said something to you what will you do okay you can identify <laughs> another message translation also is very interesting message 104 on message okay <clears throat> If a ruler loses his temper against you, don't panic. A calm disposition quiets intemperate rage. Kya baat hai? That means he has no temperance. What should you exercise? Temperance. Take it. Absorb it. Okay. He can be angry with you for several reasons. Sometimes you did a bad job, maybe. or maybe he doesn't know who made this mistake and he must have he, he like pharaoh puts both the butler and the baker in the in the prison but after his fa- anger gets subsided that's what he says when you were angry with my with the butler and the baker you put us in prison see when your anger subsides subsided then you then you promoted me to a higher position and you destroyed the butler i don't know what must have happened what transpired between the two we don't know see that's what it take patiently that means when people correct you take patiently even if it's wrong sometimes maybe you have been misrepresented what will you do ha oh, not going to come to the church anymore you know so many times so many young people are like that what they miss because of their foolish decisions they kick themselves afterward I forgot that word sister Elsa sent me. What that means? I was talking to her. What does it mean? <laughs> They kick themselves. What kind of a stupid decision I made? Yeah. You make decisions in haste, and after that you repent in leisure, and after that you you're proud, so so proud, and your pride pride becomes a stumbling block because you have to come back now. You have to humble yourself. You better be humble there itself, even if you're right or wrong. What should you do? Take it. patiently don't blow up just because you got talent that's what people do no my resume is so powerful <laughs> if you can't give me a job i will chuck my resignation on your face and go to another company if you are a believer you know what will happen ha huh? god will close every door and that door also finished
the biggest pie we all have to eat is humble pie, Baba. That is self-control. Okay. Don't get upset with your boss. That is the reason why it says, what good it is if you submit to a God, who, uh, a boss who is just and uh, and you are you are good. But if you are suffer for wrongdoing, then it is commendable before God. For to this you have been called. For Christ also suffered for your sakes, leaving you an example that you should follow in His footsteps. Because the Lamb follows His Savior wherever she goes, and wherever the Lamb goes, what everybody got angry with Jesus. Did He get upset with them? No. Lord, should we call fire down from heaven? Bah! Like Elijah called fire down from heaven? The lust to demonstrate power? I will show you what kind of a man I am. It's remarkable. That is the, that is the, that is the, what is that? That is the spirit of Satan. What is the spirit of Satan? I can be like the most high. Who is this fellow? He was like, that kind of an attitude is gone. In the day he was created, he was what? Perfect in beauty and perfect in wisdom. And what? Lots of musical instruments were given to you. In Telugu translation, it's, it's, it's rendered in a slightly different way. You know what it says? Lot of people were pr- playing music for you and praising you. Sorry, you're a fantastic. Look at your beauty. Look at your wisdom. And that got into his head. And now what does he want to do? He wants the entire heavenly host to praise him. If you are top in your company, you are top in your company. That's it. Stay there. Mm, quietly stay there. No, because just because you are top in the company and everybody in the church also should call you top. Hello, sir. That's what how people have this ridiculous attitude. Because they are such honorable people in the world, somehow that uh, gives them the what do you call the justification to be honorable people among, among in the church. That is a calling. And most often what happens, God will, if you are a real, real proud person, he will put you under a person who is less talented than you, in your companies. Most of the time it happens. What will you do? Uh-huh. Write letters. Type emails. Trying to go behind his back, trying to hamstring him. Will you do that? Your, you will, your sin will find you out. Exactly. Okay, so understand this. This is what is self-control. Don't just blow up. Okay, that is the reason why Bible says, slow to angry, anger. Quick to listen, quick to, sorry, quick to obey, slow to speak and slow to anger for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 1632 Proverbs, let us see that. Okay, whoever is slow to anger, 1632. 16 times 232. Moderation is better than muscle. I like that. Which translation is this? Message. Okay. Moderation is better than muscle. Self-control better than political power. Kya baat hai? He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes his city. That means you have to have a rule over your spirit. Meaning, you have to have the ability to say no to anger. Slow anger, not blow anger. It is not no anger. It is not blow anger. It is slow anger. If you are not angry at all, then something is wrong with you. If you are 
blowing out in anger, something is wrong with you. But you are slow to anger. That means you have the character of Christ now. And your anger is pointed toward the disease and not at the person. Right? A doctor is angry at the tumor, not at the person. He's that's the guy who's having a tumor, he will not keep scolding him and saying, Why did you have this tumor? No, no, no. He will treat the tumor, not the person. Our angers are all misdirected. That is the reason why Phineas had the zeal of God and the zeal for God. Both these things. He was angry at the sin and not at the entire people, you see. So that's what we are taught, right? We are angry at the sorcerers, not the people. We get angry with the people who deceive them. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Anger is a fantastic emotion. But it has to be channelized. It has to be harnessed. It's like a it's like a dynamite. Let it be in a in a harness, whatever you want to call it, right? So that you can control it. Don't quit. Look at David. He was Saul was angry with him, trying to pin him with the spear, but he never left his post. Do you know that? Look at what it says in First Samuel chapter eighteen, verse nine onwards. That is when after David gets his presumption from all the girls, no? Okay. I, this is interesting, okay? Why does Bible put all this? Ah, to teach us men. Be very careful about female following, following, fan following. Fan following is one thing. Girl following is a different thing. Right? That's what all the, all the, all the, uh, 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 heroes in uh, movie industry. Are you have a very good female following. And that is how it gets all the tickets to the, uh, I mean, so that is how all these people come to the theaters to watch you. A family following, a female following, and men following. You're very famous. Anyway, let's move on. That's besides the point. So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. So when David played with the music, the music with his hand as, as at other times, there was a spear in Saul's hand. And what did he do? And Saul cast the spear for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence. That means he didn't leave his post. Boss is after my life. He didn't get angry with the boss. But he's just escaping the boss. What a man. That is the reason why God says, I found David a man after my own heart who will do all my will. What was his will? Stay under Saul. Stay under Saul. What will Saul do? Pursue you. I will protect you. Okay. Don't ever lift a hand against Saul. Okay, I'm going to give my daughter in marriage to you. What should you do? Okay, it is better for you to die under the hands of the Philistines. He's thinking these things in his thoughts. And get hundred foreskins. What kind of a... I don't know what that is. And he gets 200. Okay. These are all... Bible is crazy, huh? It's all graphic detail. Everything is there in the Bible. Like pastor says, you know, everything is there. All story is there in the Bible. And the most important character is Joab. <laughs> You'll never understand him. Oh, please come to Rama. Uh, otherwise, this, this place will be named after me. How do you understand this guy? It's impossible. It's a, he's an enigma and he will continue to remain an enigma until we reach the other side of eternity. I think. Okay. What does it say? He escaped. And one day, look at what it says in First Samuel uh, chapter 
24 verses 1 to 5. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that he was told, uh, take note that David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Saul took 3,000 chosen men from Israel and went to seek David and his men in the rocks and the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave and Saul went in to attend to, to, the, to his needs, that is to, <laughs> uh, to relieve himself. David is, and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. And the men of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your name into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. That means what? Come on, this is the opportunity. Strike him once. I think Abishai says, I will strike him once and not a second time. Once it. Once is enough. And David arose and secretly cut off the corner of his robe. And verse 5, Now it happened afterwards that David's heart Actually, NIV uses the word. He was conscious stricken. What a man! That is self-control. David was conscious stricken for having cut off the corner of his heart. Can you humble yourself? I tell you something. One of the ways of God allows breaking is by putting you under authority so that he can break you and humble you. In fact, if the authority is good and bad, both, both ways he will break you. In your company, for example, it is it is it is it is good for you to have a <laughs> sometimes a, a, a boss who is a little hmm, hmm, interesting. Then you hum, God is taking you through a process. Don't quit. What are you teaching me, God? Through it, take it patiently. Not become a doormat. Take it patiently. Pray. You know what is what is the promise God gave me this year? Proverbs twenty twenty two. I think I'm going to share it with you also. It's, it's got to do with character. 2022. Do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and He will save you. You know what? You should refuse. You should learn to say, no. You should learn to say, no. That is self-control. You see, you have virtue, you have knowledge and you have self-control. If you have these three things, everything else is Easy. Okay. Fourth. Let's look at the last one and we can stop for the day. Four four things we'll look at and we can stop. <clears throat> but also for this very reason, give all diligence to add to your faith. Virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance or Patience, meaning keep on doing the same thing over and over again, even if you don't see a result. For example, I'll tell you, doing your morning devotions daily, even if you don't see God speaking to you and you're feeling, oh, the presence of God and you're elated. The first day you might be feel elated. Second day, God might not turn up. What will you do? Continue. The third day, not continue. Fourth day, continue. It is what we call as a patient acquisition of virtue. <laughs> that means what? Every obedience, every act of obedience leaves a residue of virtue. You know that? There is 2020, there is one day international and there is, that is called test. That, that name of the match is test. You, you people from uh, other continent don't know what, you don't have that same colonial hangover, even though you are the part of the commonwealth. I don't know. It's interesting that you that you did not uh, did, did not uh, inherit the cricket spirit. But it's test. And it's, it's a remarkable 
I love more test more than any other uh, form of cricket. I love it. Actually, I can watch test every every ball I can watch. People will say how boring it is, but you know, every ball I actually ball with a baller. And I do oh ah e etc. Okay, okay. I just I can pass away time like that. Now no, no, I don't watch it because now everything you have to pay 199 rupees per year. So, so those subscriptions have all <laughs> have gone out of the window now. Hmm? So even when you don't see result, can you continue doing the same thing over and over again? Habakkuk chapter three verse sixteen onwards. Okay, okay. patience. <clears throat> Habakkuk chapter three. When I heard my body trembled, my lips quivered. The voice rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled. Uh, in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble when he comes up to the people he will invade them with his troops okay move on though the fig tree may not blossom not fruit be on the vines though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food though the flock may cut be cut off uh, from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls what will you do yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the Lord of my salvation the Lord God is my strength that is the attitude I don't see any result but I keep on doing it I don't see any result, but I keep on doing it because God said so. Mm-hmm. Six, nine Hebrews onwards. Okay. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And verse 11, and we desire that each one of you show the same what? Diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that we do not become sluggish but imitate those who faith and patience ah, inherit the promise. We have been given a promise. So how do we inherit the promise? Through faith and patience. Okay, so this morning, we are here in the house of the Lord on the first Wednesday of uh, 2021 and we looked at certain things, familiar passages, nothing new, but revisited them. Okay. In the light of what we have heard, let us ask God, Lord, continue to speak to me, O Lord, that I will be set apart for you, even in these last days. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Father. You've spoken to our hearts. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will not take any of these words for granted, even though they are familiar. But I pray, Father, that even as we obey even those familiar texts, Lord, you would, Lord, show yourself, O Lord, to us in new ways, O Lord. That we will have a true and a genuine understanding of who you truly are, even as we obey. You will be made partakers of the divine nature. And we will escape the corruption that is in the world. Grant us grace to that and we pray. Touch each one of us. Enable us to walk with you. Enable us to stay in that straight and narrow path. Keep our foot from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. 
Enable us, Lord, not to take shortcuts, O oh Lord. It's patience, O oh Lord. It's perseverance, O oh Lord. Like the woman, O oh Lord, the widow who went to that justice and kept on asking, Avenge me of my adversary. Patiently waiting. Grant us grace, O Lord Jesus, that we will stay on that straight and narrow path and walk with you continuously, constantly. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We commit the rest of the day into your hands, the rest of the week into your hands, the rest of the month into your hands, O Lord. Let it be a daily exercise, O Lord Jesus. Thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.